Hello, hello, hello. This is the Vanilla JavaScript Podcast. I'm Chris Ferdinandi. Thanks so much for joining me. Today, I'm talking about HTML, the best language in the front end stack. Um, my dog is snoring in the background while I'm recording, so hopefully that doesn't come through too loud. Um, but yeah, today I wanted to talk about HTML. So there's a slogan that's been floating around the web for some time now. I think the first person to say it was the guy who invented JS. Uh, he donated to ban gay marriage in California, so I'm not going to say his name or link to his source in the show notes or anything. But um, he's said, quoted as saying, always bet on JavaScript. And the thinking behind this is that JS is the programming language to know. It can do so much and run almost anywhere. It's on the web, sure, but it's also in smart devices and even in the control systems that SpaceX uses on some of its rockets, which... It's actually kind of terrifying if you're familiar with how fragile JavaScript can be. But today I want to advocate for something else. Always bet on HTML. HTML is, as far as I'm concerned, the most resilient language in the world. It's absolutely amazing. In JavaScript, if you misspell a variable name, the entire app crashes down and breaks. So like, if I have a variable called app, um, and I've used query selector to grab an element with an ID, and then I add an extra P by accident when I'm typing it out and I try and use class list to add a class to it, the app breaks. And any code that comes after it also breaks. If you misspell an element name in HTML though, it treats it like a div and just keeps going. Um, so if I spelt um, article instead of article, HTML is just gonna be like, yeah, I don't know what that is, whatever, we'll just keep going. Same goes for properties and attributes too. Mistype one, the browser just ignores it and keeps going. Like if I spelled class C-L-S-A-S, -S, um, just kind of switched the A and the S around, still gonna work. Uh, it's, it's obviously not gonna render the styles for that class, but nothing's gonna like fatally stop working. Some people don't like that about HTML. And I get it, it can make bugs a little harder to track down because HTML doesn't critically fail and error out the way JavaScript does and some other languages too. But the smarties who built HTML made a decision uh, based on kind of putting the user and their experience first. And that decision was that user experience is more important than the developer experience. Put another way, it's better to have an app that works than an app that's easier for a developer to debug. And this is where I think just as an industry, we've got our priorities all wrong. We really seem to prioritize the developer experience over all other things. Um, the other thing that I don't think a lot of people fully appreciate is that HTML legitimately is a programming language. This one pisses a lot of people off, but HTML is a serious programming language. Um, and I'm literally not interested in hearing that it's not. If you try and kind of <laughs> debate me on why it might not be, I'm just gonna send your emails to spam because I've had this argument too many times and I'm just, I don't care anymore. But um, just some examples, right? So you used to have to use JavaScript plugins and Flash and things like that to play audio and video on the web. Now you can use the native audio and video elements. You can embed and play audio and video files directly on your web page. With the video element, you can even embed subtitles um, using a nested track element inside it. Um, and as a workaround, you can play audio with the video element um, just audio, and uh, use the track as well to get um, to get some subtitles or, or captions for folks. Uh, with um, 
Or you can also get native expand and collapse components on your site using the details and summary elements. Um, and I'll drop some um, uh, some links to some of the stuff down in the show notes so that you can kind of see these things in action. But um, it uh, you know it creates a block of text that you can click and it will expand out. And if you click it again, it will collapse down. And if you throw an open attribute on the details element in your markup, it'll be open by default and you can click it to collapse it. And because HTML is so damn awesome in unsupported browsers, the elements fall back to div behavior and show the content by default, meaning that no one is ever unable to access it. You get built-in progressive enhancement for free, which is so cool. You can also do autocomplete fields. Using a traditional input field and pairing it with a data list element, you can create HTML-only autocomplete fields. Um, you start typing, and um, options from a predefined list of stuff show up. User can you know, uh, use their keyboard to go down or click to select the one they want, and, uh, and it's pretty amazing. The other thing is HTML is performant as fuck. So in September of 2019, Zach Leatherman tweeted, which has a better meaningful first paint? A raw 8.5 megabyte HTML file with the full text of every single one of my 27,506 tweets or a client rendered React site with exactly one tweet in it. Spoiler, Lighthouse reports 8.5 megabytes of HTML wins by about 200 milliseconds. Take a minute to wrap your head around that. It's perceivably faster to load 8.5 megabytes of HTML than to load a single tweet with a client-side React app. Let's say maybe 60 kilobytes of JavaScript. It's more resilient too, as we previously discussed. It's just the better option. Real companies can and do build apps with HTML first. The folks at Basecamp just released a new email product, Hey, that tries to address a lot of the stuff that people find frustrating about email. Neither Basecamp nor Hey are really my personal cup of tea, but I find it super interesting how Hey is built. Its core is server-rendered HTML. Basecamp is a Ruby on Rails shop. Their CTO actually created Ruby on Rails. And almost every view in the app is created on a server. Then they sprinkle just a little vanilla JS on top to turn things up to 11. Basecamp uses a project they open sourced called TurboLinks. This JavaScript plugin intercepts link clicks and progressively enhances the server-side app into a single page app or SPA by fetching additional pages with Ajax and only replacing the stuff that needs updating. By using this approach, if the JS fails or isn't supported, the app still loads and works and gives people the full experience. It also means you don't have to wait for the full JS package to load before you can start using the app. You still get the benefits of faster page loading that SPAs sometimes give you, but you don't have to maintain two code bases or do complicated server-to-client handoffs. I think rehydration is what they call that in the React world. Some JS developers find this upsetting. If you've, um, I've seen some JS developers trashing Hey on Twitter this week, and the general vibe is, quote, this is overhyped and only fanboys like it, or $100 a year for email is ridiculous. And I think it's telling that the only folks I really see complaining about this are the JS all the things type developers. My suspicion is it invalidates their arguments that a lot of JavaScript is necessary for modern web experiences, and by extension, invalidates a lot of the skills that they hold dear or that they value. 
I teach JS for a living. I'm obviously not saying never use JS or JavaScript has no place on the web. Hell, there are even times where building a JS first app makes sense. But if I were going to bet on a web technology, it's HTML. Always bet on HTML. That's it for today. If you want to finally master JavaScript, head over to vanillajsguides.com and check out my pocket guides and video courses. They're short, focused, and made for beginners. And as a listener of the show, you can take 30% off with the code podcast at checkout. Hopefully my dog snoring was not too loud and I will see you next time. Cheers.